This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. How many of y'all know somebody like that? All right, today we're in the middle of a series called Choices. And I think that in our lives, it's important to stop and examine the choices that we make because we are today the sum total of the choices that we've made up to now. Tomorrow, we're going to be the sum total of the choices that we've made up to then. Five years from now, that truth will still be in play. And oftentimes, the problem with the choices that we make is that we make so many choices that we have not fully examined. And so last week, we began by looking at the choice between purpose and popularity and it's so easy to live your life for the applause of many but you cannot make everyone happy and so we have to choose purpose over popularity if you've struggled with purpose before and maybe you're asking you know what is the purpose of my life we have a little booklet that's available at guest services this is called what on earth am i here for it's by pastor rick warren who wrote the purpose driven life i promise you that this pamphlet will be helpful it's only 36 pages you can read it in just about 10 minutes but it's got so much truth it literally could change your life and we want to help you with that that's available for free. You don't have to pay. We paid for it for you. Next week, we're going to talk about something that many of us do not like. I'm just going to be upfront about that. How many of y'all would say, I need a little bit more discipline in my life? How many of y'all would say that? All right, the people who aren't raising their hands are lying. That's just how it is, okay? We all could use a little bit. How many of y'all, y'all ever noticed that when you don't live with discipline, you end up regretting? All right, there's probably, that's just where we live, right? That's why we go to Golden Corral to experience that truth. You walk in, and there's so much to eat, and there's that chocolate fountain, and you just think, man, I'm going to eat everything, and then you leave, and you regret. You think, I should have stopped at one plate while I have seven, okay? It's just where we are. Okay, so next week we're going to talk about choosing discipline over regret. I just want to say, um, before we get started today, thank you. Uh, I want to say thank you to all of you. It is such an honor and a privilege to be your pastor, to week in, week out, get to teach you the Bible, to look into the hard, very important issues that we all face in life. And today, there are people that are, are in church that are not in this room. We have people over in Overflow that are watching because it's a little too crowded in this room. And we have some people who are online. So could you give a hand clap for those who are watching today? Now, before we get, we get started, I want to ask you a question, and I want you to be honest. Remember that the Holy Spirit's in this room. God opposes liars, all right? All right. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you up front, all right, because you're going to want to not be the person that raises your hand, but I want you to raise your hand if this is true. Who, who likes to be in control? Raise your hand. Who likes to be in control? All right. Some of y'all are sitting next to somebody that didn't raise your hand, and you, you control so much, you're like, you need to raise your hand. I know you're controlling, right? I know it's you, all right? See, for many of us, it's maybe not every area of your life, but it's 
maybe one or two or several areas of your life that you like to have control in. Maybe it's at work. If, it, if it's not done my way, then it's you to the highway. If you can't do it up to my, move out of the way, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to take care of it. I will do it myself. Maybe you're the person in here that tries to think you can control the weather. It's too hot. It's too cold. It hasn't rained. It's rained too much. Maybe you're the person in here that likes to think that you have total control of yourself. Right? You eat the Reese's peanut butter bar. And you know that there are 526 calories in the Reese's peanut butter bar. And so when you go to work out, you make sure that you get those 526 extra calories taken care of on the treadmill because you are in control. Some of you do this at home. Some of you want your homes to look like nobody has ever lived there at all. At all. Nobody lives here. Just a model home to look at. All right, can I be honest with you? This is where, this is where I am. That's me, okay? That's me. I, I have struggled with that. I've, I, I want a clean home. And part of that's just godly. I want to manage it. I want to be a good steward of what God has given us. But, but sometimes you just take things a little too far. Y'all ever done that? With the things that we, we do we, when we try to control, we just take it a little bit farther than we should take it. And so when we first got married, we had all kind of fights about this because my wife doesn't care about that at all. She just wants to have fun. She just wants to have fun. If the house is messy, that's okay. Let's just have fun. So when we got married, we had these fluffy bath, bath mats. Y'all, y'all ever have those? Y'all remember that right shag carpet? And so I would go through, and I would fluff the, ba- the, the bath mats, and I would get all the carpet going the right way. And then when I would get out of the shower, I would step over the bath mat so I would not reckon there would be no footprints on the bath mat, Okay. And then I would come in to use the bathroom, and there would be footprints on the bath mat, and I would lose it. Who put these footprints on the bath mat? Well, it wasn't me. There's only two of us that live in the house. It must have been you. Why are you standing on the bath? Because it's a bath mat. That's what you do. You stand on it. The other argument we got in all the time, this is no joke, no joke, was about the orientation of the toilet paper roll. Fight all the time. When we got married, my wife was an over person and I was an under person. Okay? Some of y'all are just like, I don't care just as long as there's toilet paper on there. You know, just make sure there's some. How many of y'all are over people? How many of y'all are under people? Raise your hand. There's, this is one of the most passionate things that people are. I sent my wife the, a text this week. Um, we, we used to get in arguments all the time about this. And, and, and I told her um, while I was in the middle of conducting some business that she had won me over, that I'm now an over person. I realize the wrongness of my ways, okay? <laughs> some of us like to control at home. Some of us, we like to control people. So when it gets ugly, we micromanage, manipulate, and even threaten. See, most of us have at least one area where we struggle with control. If you don't think you do, all you have to do is get in the passenger seat with me, okay? (laughs) 
It's really all you have to do. I'm, I'm really not known as being the best driver in the world, just in case you didn't know that. For some of you, I probably would scare you a lot. We go on trips with our staff. I don't volunteer to drive because really when they get in the car with me, what happens is that I'll notice we'll go around a curve and they start hitting that imaginary brake over there. You know what I'm talking about? You're in the passenger seat with somebody and you're scared to death and you're just like, oh, oh, it's just a reflex. I thought I was in control, but... I'm not. In life, many of us live that way. We try to take control of things that we have absolutely no control over. Try to assume control of something. And it's something that in your life you have absolutely no control over. And here's what happens when you do that. Inevitably, If you try to assume or take control of something that you cannot control, you will break it. This is probably evidence the greatest in the story of Abraham and Sarah. I don't know if you know this. This Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, right? You remember that? (laughs) Well, he was promised to become a dad when he was very old, and the Bible mentions multiple times that his wife could not have a child. So it's this tension of God has promised him kids, right? But his wife is unable to bear him children. And so they're living in this promise and it's not happening quickly. And when it didn't happen in their timing, they took control. They assumed control. I want you to watch as this happens. In Genesis 16, beginning in verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, and this is their names originally. God's going to change their names. But Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. This is like the fifth time the Bible has highlighted her inability to bear kids. This is very important because in their day and age, kids weren't just objects to be loved. They were possessions and assets for a family. So not being able to have kids was detrimental to your value as a wife. She had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. So go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can. Perhaps I can. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, this is 10 years after the promise. Okay, some of y'all lose faith 30 minutes. This is 10 years later. 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. Now in this moment, this is a moment where Sarah asserts control over a situation that she had no control over. There was a promise that she would bear a child. She's 10 years into the the promise. It, It hasn't happened. And so she decides to take Control And that one moment of control became centuries of chaos. When you try to control something that is not yours to control, you'll break it. You'll break it. And that's exactly what happens here. Hagar conceives and gives birth to a son. His name is Ishmael. Later, much later, 
Sarah is going to conceive and give birth to a son. His name is Isaac. From Ishmael come the Palestinians. From the Palestinians come Muhammad and then Islam. From Isaac comes the Jews. And from the Jews comes Jesus. And from Jesus comes Christianity. A war that is centuries of chaos still being fought worldwide that happened in one moment of control. In one moment of control. There's a few lessons that I learned from that story. Number one, don't sleep with a woman named Hagar. (laughs) Rule number two is if you forget rule number one, go back to rule number one and reread that one, okay? (laughs) No, if your wife's name is Hagar, I'm sure she's beautiful, okay? I'm not sorry. Don't mean to offend anybody, okay? Now, here's the thing. That's an illustration of what gets us into trouble. When we try to assume control over something that we have no control over. Maybe, maybe you've experienced this in dating. You're that girl who, who thought, you know what, I know this guy doesn't have a strong relationship with Jesus, but I'm going to date him anyway. I can change him. I can get him right. I can get him to love Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're that, that person that's in here and you're a parent. There's actually a term for these kind of parents today called helicopter parents. You hover over your kids' lives. They come home with homework, you do their homework. You do their projects. You don't want them to ever fail. When when the teacher gets on them at school, you call a parent-teacher conference because your kid was misbehaving in class and you don't want your kid to be singled out. These parents, even today, are going to kid are going to college with their kids, walking through the first couple years hand in hand as they go through college. A study that was recently released, I can't even believe this, shows that of recent graduates who are 25 or less from college who go on their first job interview, one in four takes a parent with them. Why? Because parents are trying to control something that they cannot control. You know what the Bible describes kids as? As arrows in the quiver of a warrior. Do you know what you got to be able to do with an arrow for it to be useful? You have to be willing to let go of it. You have to be willing to let go. See, many of us are struggling with an area in our life that we're trying to control. What what I want you to do right now is just, I want you to write that down in your notes. If you're taking notes right now, write it down. Are you trying to control your kids, for example? Are you you trying to control your, your grown kids, maybe your grandkids? Today, are you trying to control a spouse? Maybe it's the schedules of those in your family or friends. Maybe you're trying to control a coworker. It might be that you're trying to control your image or perhaps what your future looks like or what your kid's future looks like. Are you trying to control this moment by not doing this stupid exercise? Because for all of us, there's a moment where we come to a realization that there's a part of us that struggles with control. And that's not new. 
As a matter of fact, it's been around since the very beginning. I don't know if you know this, ever paid close attention, but when the Bible describes creation in the garden, there are two trees that are mentioned, tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Those two trees. Look, it's mentioned in Genesis 2, verses 9. In the middle of the garden, he, God, placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One of those is a good tree. One of those is a bad tree. God is going to go on and define that in Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17. But the Lord God warned them, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And you know the story. They had one rule, one thing that they weren't supposed to do. They did it. They ate from the tree. They sinned. Sin entered the world, broke everything that we can imagine, the depths of which we will never understand. Death came right along with sin. So Romans tells us that God said, if you eat this, you will sin. Romans says that the wages of sin, what we earn through sin is death. Death came with sin. But I want you to think about the name of that tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now think about the way that Satan tempted them. Look at this. So God knows if you eat from this fruit, from this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil evil. I want you to pay attention to that because God had already defined what was good and what was evil. He had already told them every tree in this garden is good except for this one. It is evil. He had already predefined that, but Satan said, here's the first temptation that man ever encountered. If you eat that, you will be like God and you will have the authority to choose what is good and what is bad. And it's the same temptation we face today. We take control of our lives and decide for ourselves what is good and what is bad. We say, God, you know what? You know what I know? I, I, I know you want me to forgive. Okay, but, but God, you know what? I'm going to control this situation over here. There's a lot that I want you to control, but I'm, I'm going to control this one. All right, I'm not going to forgive because this is really, this is really painful. And, and God, I don't think you understand how, how deeply I'm hurt and how bad this is. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold on to the pain for a little while. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm not going to let it go. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to just hate this person for the rest of my life because that's going to make me feel better because I'm not going to forgive them. No, God, I'm going to take control. Oh, God, I know you want me to be generous, but no, 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 this area, finances. I'm going to do finances my way. God, I'm going to try to do everything. I want your blessing on the rest of my life. But look, finances, I got control of this. I'm going to do it my way, my plan. I'm going to decide what is good and what is bad. I'm not going to listen to your advice. No, I'm going to do this my own way. Relationships, God, no, I don't care about your plan. I'm going to do it my way. When that happens... When we choose to decide for ourselves what is good and what is bad, we are taking control of our lives and we are rejecting God. So I'm going to take you to my favorite Bible verse. 
comes out of Proverbs 3. If there's a person in here, you don't know a lot of Bible and you need to memorize the Bible verses, it's one to commit to memory. It is one that I think if we could apply this, just these two simple verses, it could literally transform our lives. It is so simple. I want you to read it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to him, to God, and he will make your paths straight. Look at the, the words used. Trust in the Lord. Don't trust in the opinions of your mama. Don't trust the advice from your friends. Don't trust your own perception. No, trust, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Stop trying to figure out yourself. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Stop listening to other people. Stop listening. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. With all your heart, not with just part of your heart, not with just part of your life, with all your heart, with every single part of you. Don't withhold anything. Stop saying, God, you can have only this much, but I'm going to keep this part. No, all your heart, all your heart, all of you, every single part. Lean not on your own understanding. The word image is that our lives are being lived in such a way that there is an understanding in which we are propped up against. And I just want you to know that my understanding and your understanding is not consistent enough for me to prop myself up against it. Only God's perception of this life is. And because of that, I can lean on his understanding. I don't want to rest in mine. I don't want to lean on mine because I know that there have been and plenty of times I've been wrong. In all your ways, submit to him. In all your ways, submit to him. Not some of your ways, not part of your ways, not kind of halfway. No, in every single thing, there is no out in that. In all your ways, submit. And that word submit literally means to know, to know, and then to follow, to get under what God has put over you, the authority of God, to live out his calling, to live out his life, and then get over the things that God has put under you. I think if there's one indictment against American Christianity is that we know a cultural perception of God, but we don't know him authentically. We don't know a God that would say, in this world you will have trouble. Or to follow me, you must deny your own mother. Some of this stuff is not easy. It's hard. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Well, that's a great verse to listen to, but I can tell you up front, that is a hard, hard thing to do. But when we try to control, Here's what happens. We trust ourselves more than we trust God. So today what I want to do is I want to point you to a better way to choose and the things that you cannot control to stop trying to control and to surrender. I think that there are many of us in here today that most of our energy is spent trying to control things we can't, and we have relinquished the responsibility over things that we can actually make a difference in. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three questions to help you understand whether you should surrender. So much so, I think it's so important that we printed these cards. We'll be handing them out afterwards. 
that have the questions on you. You probably need to put this on your refrigerator, on your bathroom mirror to help you think through the things that are happening in life. The first question is this, is it worth my concern? Is it worth my concern? How many of y'all know that you've had some arguments like bath mats and toilet paper that years later, it just didn't matter at all, okay? At all. Now, I would love a perfect house. I would love to come home every day and the environment be peaceful, everything be in its place. But we have these three. And they're awesome, but they're terrorists, okay? They're ter- they have their own agenda. All right, this is Addie. She's my seven-year-old. I've, I've never met anybody in my entire life who has taught me more about love than her. She loves so wholeheartedly. It's so beautiful. This is Clay over here. Clay's five. He's taught me so much about joy. The, last night he was watching a video with, with the youngest, and, and it was the, the mommy finger, daddy finger video. You ever seen that? You know that song, mommy finger, mommy finger. And, and it gets to the brother finger, and it's the middle finger, and he yells out, Mom, I'm the middle finger! That's not good on the middle finger. So the, he's the middle finger of our family. Um, and this is our two-year-old Tasmanian devil, Cade. All right, he is, he is a, just a, on a tear right now. It's, and, and, and really, they did come into our lives with their own agenda. But it's not a bad agenda. And at some point, I had to decide, you know what? I could be mad all the time and have a fairly clean house or I could realize that my kids need to play and I can let them play and we can teach them responsibility and cleaning up after they get done but I have to let go of that I have to surrender that maybe for you maybe you get upset when somebody folds the towels the wrong way there's some of you some of you know it you get upset, there's something. Somebody just does it the wrong way and it irks you, it bothers you, you say something about it. Some of y'all get upset, kids' outfits don't match you on the way out. Like, why did you pick that shirt and those pants? I'm not going out with you looking like this. <laughs> this is unacceptable. Some of y'all, if, if a friend leaves a water bottle in your car, you think the world is coming to an end. But is it? really worth your concern. Let me give you a good test for if it's worth your concern. In five years, will it matter? In five years, will it matter? In five years, will it matter that there are Legos that were kept out for a little bit longer than they should have been? In five years, will it matter that your friend left a drink cup in your car when they got out? In five years, will it matter? In five years, will your kid be headed towards prison because they didn't wear matching clothes? Probably not. Probably not. It's not the source of the origin of their trouble, I promise. I think I learned about this not too long ago when I heard a friend talking about this. They'd had, um, their their family's quite large. They'd had a few kids. and His oldest kid is now um, 12 and most of the kids have moved out of the house. And when you walk in their front door, the, the back of their home is a lot of windows. And right in front of you is another door that leads to their backyard. And he used to come home and get very upset because there would be fingerprints all over the door, all over the door every day. Get glass cleaner. Somebody come in and clean up this mess. Come on. Come on. No, no fingerprints, no nothing. And he said, you know, I, re- I realized 
I walked in and I looked and it was clean. And I realized before too long, this house is going to be empty. And I'm going to miss those fingerprints. Is it really worth your concern? Second thing, second question to ask is, is it mind to control? Is it mind to control? Is this something that I actually have responsibility over in my own life? I have the authority to do something about this. Because if it is, do something about it. If you have control, if you have authority, if you have responsibility in that area, do something about it. See, surrendering control is not the same as relinquishing responsibility. Again, far too many of us are spending a lot of time trying to control things we can't and relinquishing the responsibility over things that we actually can make a difference in. I think this is why next week's message about discipline is so important, to choose discipline over regret. See, there are some things that God won't do for you. There are some things that God won't do for you. See, God will provide for you. He does. And he, if you're faithful and you look back over your life, you'll notice that he has provided for you. But God won't manage what he's provided. That's your job. If you're in financial trouble, a lot of us, God, we just need money. We need you to bless us. We need, to, we need, we need some more money. We need some more money. No, no, what you need to do is cut off that $400 cable bill. No, what you need to do is cut out those $100 date nights. What you need to do is manage your assets and resources better. There's work that you need to do. Some of y'all are in here praying for a better marriage. God, Heal our marriage, heal our marriage. God, heal our marriage. Well, the truth is, is that you made mistakes that led to the condition of your marriage. And you need to be willing to do the work to make it better. Because God's not going to sprinkle fairy dust over you in areas where you have the responsibility. Is it mine to control? Some of you are in here today and you are just scared to death. Maybe you're a young man. You're, you're just scared. I don't know if I'm ever going to get married. My friends are getting married. Okay? Well, let, let me, all right, stop playing Fortnite. Okay? Move, move out of your mom and dad's basement. Take a shower. Come to church and get involved. Okay? Do something. Because if it's yours to control, do something about it. But number three we have to ask this question. Is this for God alone to control? Is this for God alone to control? And I think if we're honest, most of the things in life really are for God to control. There's very little with us that we do have control over. We can control our actions. We can control our reactions. We can control our attitude. But there is very little that we have control over. God has control over most of it. And in that case, the response is surrender. We surrender. We surrender. I'm not going to try to control. I'm not going to try to take on control. God, I'm going to surrender this to you. Philippians 4 describes this. 
where it says, don't be anxious about anything, about anything, about anything, about anything, not about anything, about nothing. There's no reason to be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, the perfect peace of God, which defies our logic and understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know what happens when you try to control everything? You're nervous, you're anxious, and you're fearful because deep inside, you know you can't control it. And the only response to that is fear. It's the only response. But when you give it to God, when you pray over it and you lay it at his feet, there's a peace that comes with that surrender, knowing that God is going to take care of you, that he is going to be the one that provides for you, that he's not going to fail you, that that good work that he's already begun, he's going to carry it on until it is completely fulfilled. See, the problem is many of us view prayer in, 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 a, in a cultural way, not in a, a biblical way. Y'all have heard of this before. A doctor walks in and a terminal diagnosis. There are no medical options left. And for many of us, this is how we think about prayer. The doctor says this, all we have left to do is pray. What? That's all? I mean, like, that's it? That's our attitude towards prayer. Now, let me tell you something. All we, if all we have is prayer and all we have is God, we still have everything. Okay? Our faith and trust as believers is not in anything that originates itself outside of him. He is where it all comes from. I trust in him completely. I put my faith in him completely. And so prayer isn't just something I do at the end when all other resources have been exhausted. It's something, it's something I do up front. It's something I do before. It's something I pray and believe. And so many of us, are trying to control the things that we shouldn't and we can't. And we're living with fear and anxiety. Can you, can you change your spouse? No, you can't. But can God? Absolutely he can. Can you change the weather? Is God in control of the weather? A good and loving God that wants the best for you? Yes, he's in control. Can, can you heal your loved one? It's sick. Facing a diagnosis, it's difficult. Can you heal them? No, you can't. But God can. Can you control your kid's future? No, you can't. As much as you do, as hard as you work, as much effort as you put into it, no, you can't. But God, God can. See, I want you to know today that if we take that verse seriously, if we really believe God, 
that we don't have to be anxious or concerned or worried or fearful, that we can take everything and lay it down at his feet in prayer and know that he is going to control, he's going to take care of, he's going to provide. If we really get that, we can live in a peace that transcends our capacity to understand. See, I want the person that's here, and if you're that person and you know that there's an area in your life that you struggle with control, I want you to hear these words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, to God, and he will make your paths straight. It's a promise. He will take care of the journey that you're on in life. If you will trust him, and submit to him and surrender. You see, when we choose to follow Jesus, we choose to release control. Some of us today have maybe come face to face with the reality that there are things in our lives that we've been trying to control, that we have not been fully trusting God with. And I think it's time to pray over that. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.